0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three Stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito We good live right now, man. It's going down, siding for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple of Winning game four, at least pride-wise, made me feel good because you don't ever want to get swept.
1: I'm indifferent to him whether or not he signs it. I'll be uh, hitting the work for the next five years.
0: If you ask me, can the Bucks win game five, I put it at 40% confidence, yes. To think that, that a season is championship or bust is, is um, certainly not the way we've approached it. At this point, we don't know what's going to happen. You can get game six. You can steal it. Championship or bust. Winning games six and seven. Championship or bust. I don't think they're going to win the whole series, but... There is no enjoyment with this team. Hello, and welcome to the Brew Hoop podcast, episode 97. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of brewhoop.com. Kyle Carr is not with us today. He's currently occupied by some different different stuff in his life, life events, exciting life events, but uh, we can feel his spirit coursing through our veins. After he, he, uh, he hasn't
1: passed from the earth. I know Adam's using a lot of language yes, that yeah. seemed to suggest he's he's not passed from the earth. He's still with us. He's just not with us on the pod.
0: He is. He is still with us. Uh, and I am obviously joined, you know, that voice by Riley Feldman, uh, who is here. We're recording this shortly after the Bucks win 109-107 in game one of the Miami Heat series. I know we might be celebrating like the series is over, but it was just one game. We are up 1-0 in the ledger. Riley, I know nor- normally I'm super interested in generally how you're doing in life, and that's kind of what we start these with. But I, I want to know, since it's so soon after the win, how are you feeling about the victory and the Bucks going up
1: 1-0? Never doubted them.
0: That's how I feel. (laughs)
1: Not not even one second did I doubt the team. Uh, I think the thing that I always forget about the NBA postseason is you'll get to the playoffs and you'll get through like game one and you're like, oh my God, I forgot that you have to win four of these games to like go even to the next round. And so I'm pleased that they came away with a victory, but I'm just like now remembering and realizing how daunting of a task it is to try and lock in and have them win four of these to even go on to the next opponent. So I'm good. I'm already a little tired, though, just like the emotional investments you have to make. So uh, mixed feelings, but generally positive about the win. How about yourself?
0: I'm feeling pretty solid about it. I mean, I, I, I would agree. I'm in sort of the same camp where it's like, wow, I generally am pretty emotionalist during the regular season games, and I found myself far too invested in this one, which uh, I will try to have come down for game two. But I think... I think it was good. So I I flew in from Miami just this morning. So I was with, I was I was with on the enemy's territory, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I hadn't really listened to any preview things all week about the thing, the series at all. And then I like mainlined every single podcast on my flight this morning. So <laughs> yeah. I think that I think that amped it up, and the the excessive amount of coffee I drank. But I'm feeling pretty good about it. I mean, one o nine, one o seven. I the the thing about this the thing about this game that I did feel very differently. And I'm really interested in your take because you had some, you had like a couple of different things that were in our round table that ran on Brewhoop.com that I think is still very relevant for people to check out that, you know, you talked about potentially Butler being the guy that would be the best player in the series, which I thought was bold, but also something I thought quite a bit myself makes Mm -hmm. a lot of sense because Mm -hmm. we've seen that story before. He was the best player through all of the series last year, but then you also had bucks in five, which sort of indicated a, a level of confidence in the team that, I don't know that I have felt just talking from you this year. I'm not sure that I technically, I really felt that you had like Bucks in five energy over this Heat team. Do you still feel that way after Game One? Too early to tell. Generally, has 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 anything that you sort of thought before the series changed now that we kindly finally have a little bit of evidence of them in the postseason with the Heat with Jimmy Butler.
1: That's a good question. So, like the Jimmy Butler point, the logic behind that was if for playoff series, you're generally going to be like, okay, whoever your top guy is, a lot of it's going to run through them. And until Giannis proves that he can be the best guy in a series, um, generally speaking, even if we gradually go away from him, because Drew would be out there and Chris would be out there to take, like, you know, split possessions between them, I was like, okay, it's going to be Giannis versus Jimmy. And in that sort of matchup, I'm just going to assume Jimmy. If Chris plays like this throughout the series, then he can be the best player in the series. But I would still say um, a bad shooting nights aside from Jimmy. He still has the potential probably to be like just the number of possessions, the best player in the series. We'll have to see. Bucks in five. I'm not sure if I, you just caught me on an optimistic uh, moment, uh, optimistic <laughs> surge that morning. I, I don't think I came into this game. So the whole question that me and Kyle talked about last week was, uh, and I know nobody wants to use this term, but like fear mongering the Miami heat. <laughs> and I don't think I because I was so detached emotionally from last year's series, there was no emotional investment and in be like, oh, I remember how tragic it was to watch there. It was just kind of like annoying more so last year in the bubble. And so I didn't have any sort of investment as like make the heat to be out to be bigger than they are. I think the coaching matchup will we'll get into stuff like that in this breakdown here. Um, but I still think that's still a, a relative concern. But the uh, the addition of Drew Holiday over, especially Eric Bledsoe, I love my my pinata on the podcast. Eric Bledsoe, I think that's enough of a big difference to free up. Um, especially Giannis and Chris where Giannis struggles or if he struggles like in a game like this, we saw exactly in years past, Eric would be right there with him. He was like, Hey, Giannis, you went two of 15 from the floor. Well, I went one of 15 from the floor. Check me out. <laughs> you know, they were like buddy, buddy in that way. And so being able to replace that, I think raises it's, it's a rising tide that lifts all boats and the difference uh, in terms of roster from Miami last year, this year, a couple of guys like Ariza, Deadman, things like that. But I think the loss of a guy like Jay Crowder, especially um, Kelly Olynyk, depending on how you feel about him. But I think the changes in the rosters were enough to say the Bucks, even if they play somewhat poorly, especially Giannis, should be able to out-talent the Heat. And that's, I think, where I went for. And I don't think there was anything about today. You could read it in two ways. Either the Heat's uh, three-point shooting is unrealistic and will cool off, or um, the guys who missed a lot like butler like bam will shoot better so it depends on how you want to read it but i don't think there was anything today that changed that sort of uh feeling about the series okay
0: i'll go over some of the numbers here so Giannis has 26 points 18 rebounds five assists on 10 of 26 shooting Uh, of course the thing everyone will probably be talking about is is some of the free throw woes six of 13 from the line we'll get into the 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 10-second call that happened later in the game, which was pretty audacious. Chris, 27 points. Of course, he should have led the whole thing, given that he hit the game-winning shot with 0.5 seconds left in OT. Great to see him come up with a shot uh, that wasn't manufactured out of a timeout. Sort of similar type of shot, but he was able to hit this one, which was refreshing. Six rebounds, six assists for him as well. Drew Holiday, 20 points, 11 rebounds, three assists, three steals. Kind of an interesting game. I kind of want want to talk more about him later. Jimmy Butler, 17 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. Just 4 of 22 shooting. Bam, 9 points. Duncan Robinson had 24 points in this one, which was kind of crazy. He was hitting some outrageous shots. I want to start with Jimmy Butler. 4 of 22 is obviously going to be the thing that stands out. But I personally, that was the thing I was most surprised with to start the game, which was Giannis starting out the game, guarding Jimmy Butler from the outset. I had assumed, I just assumed... It would be Drew Holiday, and mm-hmm. instead, Holiday was guarding Kendrick Nunn, which was kind of not really what Bud cared about. If you could tell, based on the substitution patterns, Holiday was always the first person out today, and Bud was trying to match his minutes with Dragic as much as possible, which yeah. I think was a really smart move and an interesting move. We haven't really seen something like that much of this season of Holiday being the first one out, but what did you think about Giannis getting the first matchup on Butler, getting being the primary defender basically most of the night?
1: It felt okay up until literally the final possession of regulation, in which case it's. <laughs> or Giannis. Uh, you know, it, when Giannis got on an island, I was like, this is not prime defensive player of the year territory for him. This is not his time to shine. Um, I think I felt. So when the first couple of possessions came out and Giannis was matched up on him. Um, I guess I was a little concerned just because so I don't watch like a ton of heat basketball and I know Jimmy does like a lot of you know, whether it be ball screens or driving to the hoop things like that I was like well I would be and especially with the number of free throws that Jimmy is able to and fouls he's able to manufacture out of possessions like that I was like wow what a downer it would be if Giannis has to like sit significant portions of minutes because we isolated him on Jimmy I thought he did a pretty decent job over now Jimmy had like number of pretty decent shots and there will always be that final possession that you can't ignore that did not go Giannis's way. But um I, I don't know. It, it felt like Jimmy was so focused on trying to get his teammates involved, whether that be because he was shooting poorly. Now he still took 22 shots. So it's not like, you know, he forwent every single shot possible, but there was enough mixing it up between, um you know, Dribble handoffs between screens, things like that to keep Giannis occupied where it wasn't going to be necessarily a lot of, okay, Jimmy's just going to go downhill right at Giannis and pray to God Giannis stays in the way. Um, It's not like the ideal way to try and hide Giannis or utilize Giannis, but if the strategy is okay, Dragic is the only, Dragic, is Dragic? I can't pronounce his last name. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Goran. Goran, if he's coming off the bench, if he's the guy, one guy, the only guy off their bench that we're really scared about her, like think he's going to be a primary ball handler, and we want to save Drew for that, I think that's a viable strategy and interesting fold from Budenholzer. Um, And today it paid off uh, in terms of guarding Giannis on Butler, whether or not but there changes and is like, okay, well, I'm just going to try and one-on-one you Giannis and see how it goes. We'll have to see. I don't know.
0: It was interesting because that the last play was, the first time that it felt super, super recognizable that yep. Jimmy just ISOed up Giannis, the, the rest of the time it felt like they were trying to do ten ball screens, the usual heat, you know, beautiful offense or whatever mm-hmm. with screens, dribble handoffs. And it actually works out pretty well for Giannis on the Butler screens in particular, because you don't have to go over at all. You can essentially go under every single screen, which makes it a little easier for Giannis to do that. It was. I was very surprised given I thought that he would foul the bejesus out of Giannis and get him out of the game really quickly. Mm-hmm. Later on in the game, you could tell him get he got way more aggressive. I couldn't believe they didn't call a foul late when he did that crazy reach around to tap the ball out of Butler's hands or whatever. He but, was like on
1: top of on his back you... or whatever. I was like, <laughs> okay, Giannis, I mean, it's literally there's eight seconds left on the clock, but i going to go for it.
0: Yeah, and, and like, go ahead, foul Bam bio 90 feet from the hoop. <laughs> although that one was a little whatever that was a little yeah. questionable, but yeah. uh that one, that was really interesting like i said the other thing that was really fascinating to me defensively was the holiday matching up with dragic minutes very clearly but identified that as you know if you were to leave some of those guys in i don't know who can guard dragic very well realistically DiVincenzo is really your only other guy who can kind of, kind of match him Mm -hmm. if you're looking at, like, okay defenders, because otherwise you start getting into the Brent Forbes, no, Pat Connaughton, Connaughton, no, we don't really want that, and so, so you're left with Drew Holiday as the guy to curtail Dragic, and I mean, Dragic still got his, it was quite annoying as per usual, 10 of 17, 5 of 10 from 3, 25 points for him, was doing his usual hitting three pointers, you know, able to do hit stuff from the mid range, but he didn't look at the very least. We certainly saw him look less comfortable. I think operating inside the arc than last year. So he hits five of 10 for three point land probably won't do that every game. And that's essentially, you know, two thirds of his points or whatever. Last year he was killing them on floaters, able to get around screens. Holiday had a couple different steals on him, disrupted the ball. So I did feel like Holiday did a decent job getting him somewhat out of rhythm, even if his stat line still looks pretty gaudy.
1: And if you if you were to go back and watch this game, which I don't plan on doing, I would suggest everybody burn the tape. Burn the tape. <laughs> Unless we lose the series, we need to do a diagnosis. Burn the tape. Um, a lot of those Dragic threes that he got, they were like those messy loose ball offensive rebound like drew is like he did his job on the initial possession then all of a sudden dante like trips on himself and the ball ends up in goran's hands and then he gets a three so it wasn't even a lot of possessions where it was like drew just let his man go or whatever so if you then account for that yes it even doubles down that the uh job that drew did was passable to very good given the positions he was in um I'm not sure if I've literally ever seen a bad game from Goran Dragic. Dragic, I can pronounce his name. Um, it, it's been, he still got like a couple of floaters, it, but I don't know if he like, if he only played Milwaukee for the rest of his career, <laughs> he'd be one of the most surefire Hall of Famers of all time. It's very strange. I've, I've literally never seen a bad game from him.
0: No, he, he always seems to look incredible. He looks very poised. Clearly he was in there. I mean, Kendrick Nunn plays only 23 minutes and he's their nominal starting point guard. Dragic has 35, so you can see him obviously bearing the brunt of the minutes.
1: And I think another, so like going back to Drew as well. So you could, even if you didn't notice it where it was like, okay, he, like Grant just passes passes off the ball. um, Like you said, those late possessions, even if you kind of lose track of like, okay, who is Drew guarding? it, It was so critical, the difference here between, again, like an Eric Bledsoe type versus Drew this year. I think there was like maybe two minutes left in the game. Drew blows up the handoff from Dragic at, at the point of contact on like a screen or whatever gets the steal, ends up like crossing up Trevor Ariza who falls over himself and can't get the clear path foul. And then Drew is able to get the layup. So it's like not only the quality of being able to kind of cover Uh, Goran but also like a moment like that where he's able to turn the tide and those points obviously (laughs) given the fact that they went in OT every single point was critical to at least get us into that position so it's even moments like that where it's high tension you know the refs have not been friendly to Milwaukee all game long and he still goes for it and is able to cleanly or at least get away with it and then be able to move in transition to then get the layup while moving at like a full sprint it's just stuff like that that's like that's how
0: impressive Drew Holiday is. Yeah, that was an absolutely huge bucket. The, the transition game was interesting because obviously the pace was the pace was 99.8. So it started out at a little more looking like Milwaukee's pace, but but wound up being Miami's pace in the end, which is, isn't surprising given the game also went to OT and there's a lot of – the game was close down the end. So – but, you know, Milwaukee only has 12 fast breaks to, to two for Miami um, – 17 points off turnovers versus Miami getting 15 points off turnovers. There were definitely some missed opportunities in transition. Giannis in particular seemed to be forcing it a few too many times in transition, like trying to get some crazy... Go go from the three-point line and uh-huh. score from there. Yeah. That was yeah. a little bit frustrating. It's, it's
1: super frustrating because, like, he'll split three defenders and then in the process of splitting those three, he'll be, like, literally his back is to the basket. So then he's, like, I'm just going to lay it up here. And he just falls all over himself. I'm, like, ah. If you just, like, and no, in part, I don't know if he was avoiding contact, if, like, he had that, that kind of BS charge foul called against him against Duncan Robinson early in the game. He was, like, okay, well, I'm just not going to, like, chance getting called for charges a million times. So that's why he contorts himself. But yes, a lot of those times where it's like, just a gimme, it's right there. And he just, he uh, off balance or whatever he ends up doing.
0: So I, I also, I, I still want to talk a few more defensive points. From the outset, we saw Duncan Robinson basically obliterate Bud's defensive game plan from the very start, which was absolutely brutal to start. If, if anyone went on Twitter at all, you could see Bud getting roasted, going, you know, going to the zone drop. Why are they doing that? They just keep screening Brooke. What are they supposed to do? Certainly curtailed a little bit as the game went on. I, I think one of the you know one of the things about that is Brooke Brook wound up having a pretty decent game. I think. I think in the beginning, obviously he was getting torched, and you know you could fault Bud for not going to Tucker and trying to do switching stuff sooner, but. They found their sea legs pretty quickly and were able to, they, you know, it didn't seem like they were switching as much as they have in previous games, but the second quarter in particular, the defensive intensity ratcheted up. There was a lot of physicality on screens at the point of attack. You saw a lot of stuff getting blown up, um, worthwhile gambles. And it did feel like the, you know, the, the Brooke Lopez part of it, You know, they're obviously going to use Duncan Robinson like that. I'm curious how the bud will come out in the second game if they keep using Robinson like that. But overall, I still think Lopez was massive in terms of protecting the paint. I mean, 56 to 24 in points in the paint, and Miami's normally a pretty good scoring team down there and a really good team at protecting the paint. I think Lopez more than showed his worth, even if I didn't feel like they found – they found him a few times offensively, but I thought they were looking to him a little too much on the roll when they weren't waiting for mismatches to, to, to present themselves. Like late in the game, they kept kind of trying to throw it to him when Bam was still on him. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, he barely, he barely, like he didn't yeah. even win the opening tip. Like yeah. he's not going to win it when you throw it down there, wait for the mismatch and then take yeah. advantage of it. But I, I thought he had, I mean, 36 minutes hit some seven of eight from the free throw line, which was huge. I, I thought he had uh, a really impactful game for Milwaukee and, and, would score at times when people weren't scoring he would somehow find a way to get to the free throw line he would find a way to drive I mean he had the second most free throw attempts on the team after Giannis so I think that speaks volumes about what he was able to contribute
1: yeah so long as those the first quarter the number of times that he pumped fake from wide open from three I'm like Brooke come on my man like <laughs> and then I just I do love it though when like he has like two or three defenders on him and he just kind of like waddles through them or whatever to get the foul call i think that's so funny when he does that so if he just cuts out even if he just took the threes i'd prefer that than the like he's wide open decides to pump fake anyhow and it doesn't result in anything and then he goes inside i'm like okay that's probably not an ideal Brook lopez possession um i think so there's like a uh, a reputation i think bam out of is a good player um and i think he has some talent offensively but Today in particular, um, especially when Brooke was guarding him, Bam seemed to settle a lot more for like a slight like step back, sort of contested jumper. There was there was a couple of positions where he would get ahead of steam and then try to go at uh, Lopez, but otherwise it was a lot of like, okay, I'm down here. Let me see if I can kind of do some footwork to free myself, and Brooke was on top of him. So um, I, I think... Credit to Brooke for that. In terms of like the Duncan Robinson Bam Adebayo action, I think a lot of the change from the first half to the second half was uh, Chris just uh, giving more of a shit, and I'm sure there was. <laughs> I think there was more probably more to it than that. Budenholzer was probably like, "Hey, we need to really focus in on this, Chris." um don't go under you should definitely just like go right at it that's who they're going to over and over again and you could see fourth quarter especially um when it turned into like the rock fight to end all rock fights it was like a couple of times where bam they would try to do that action to start the possession and Chris mm-hmm. was right there like immediately in between bam and Robinson so I think stuff like that um I, I don't know if I should give credit we could say like oh Budenhoser coaching change middle of the game he saw he changed it up uh it would be concerning if he didn't but I, at least he did uh so that's good I
0: guess did you so I don't know there's so there's so many things to go to in this game there's just there's just like a I have a crazy stupid amount of notes that I took from this game so Bryn Forbes comes in is the first sub off the bench Mm-hmm. My mouth falls to the floor. I, I literally can't believe it, that Forbes <laughs> is the first guy. And I, 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 I I'm not even quite sure I understand the rational. I guess it's like, I kind of get it. It's like, okay, does Bryn Forbes have his three-point shot working today? Mm-hmm. The answer is no. They went we to him right,
1: right away. The first yeah. position is like, Bryn, if you make these great, if not, you're never seeing the court again during today.
0: The answer is absolutely no. He winds <laughs> up playing the second, second fewest amount of minutes. I mean, that being said... He wasn't a zero. He had a drive off a dribble handoff. Uh, he bo-
1: after- he he bodied Bam. Bam yeah. should be embarrassed and he should retire <laughs> because a guy who was has to be a hundred pounds lighter and what appears to be three feet shorter than him absolutely bodied him and then <laughs> drove right past him. That was embarrassing for Bam.
0: Like like say what you want, but. Huge credit to Bryn Forbes. I, I, I've kind of been a Bryn Forbes skeptic, and I've been very worried about how he would translate to the postseason. Say what you want about him. Misses his first three triples. Still gets two buckets to the basket. One bodying bam. One, I believe, past Edmond for an N one, mm-hmm. which was – they were absolutely huge at the time. Yeah. Also, bodies up Jimmy Butler at the elbow. Not once, but twice. Mm-hmm. And Butler doesn't make it over him. That being said, I think there's a pretty clear reason why he didn't keep playing, and it was that the Heat <laughs> continued to put Jimmy get Jimmy Butler on him defensively, which I'm sure Buden, Budenholzer was absolutely terrified of. Yeah, um, but he he was he was. I, I thought he would be. The thing that the thing that was interesting to me was that I thought the second he gets in, okay, here we go. Miami's going to absolutely torch Bryn Forbes for every second he's on the court. They tried to get the mismatches, but I mean. He finished a plus two, which obviously it's a single game, plus minus, but like he was not the liability in this game that I thought he was, and I think that's more a credit of Miami potentially not being as dangerous and good, at least in this game one, as I thought they were going to be. Like I thought they would spurs the heck out of him and just absolutely destroy anything that any t- time he was on the floor, I thought they would hunt that mismatch every single time. They did a little bit, but they certainly didn't destroy it to the level that I thought they would.
1: Yeah. I, I think credit to Bryn, even though, so we talked about this last week with Kyle, he's, he's a bad defender insofar as like, just like his physicality and, or like, his, like, positioning, things like that. It's not that he doesn't care because he does. There have been multiple times throughout the season where a guy who's a lot bigger than him gets switched on and he will dig in. It's just a matter of like, okay, at the end of the day, this guy's like, whatever, seven inches taller than you. It's going to be a tough defensive matchup. Um, So credit to him for surviving those couple of possessions where they tried to hunt them. And yeah, there was a lot about, there's a, a lot of talk into this game, and rightfully so, about the Bucks looking super rusty. The Heat didn't exactly throw, like, a perfect game either. They were just <laughs> as off the Bam-Jimmy combination. I think – I don't know how many turnovers Miami had, but it felt like 15 of them were Bam just, like, dropping the ball or, like, Jimmy would try to pass the Bam. And he's just like, uh, oh, and it went out of bounds. Again, embarrassing. Uh, so <laughs> part of it also has to do with, like, you know – You could argue, oh, Miami couldn't play this bad. I don't know if Milwaukee could play this bad. So, yeah, just really awful execution, and that helps give Bryn a little bit of breathing space, and he digs in for those couple of possessions. Um, I think it was the right decision from Budenholzer to be like, okay, if you're on, we're going to ride it and see what happens. If you're not, thanks for playing. Come in and (laughs) take a seat on the bench. We're going to be okay. Um, But, yeah, I think the the thing, so Bryn, all the bench guys, I think. I I have nothing really to say about Pat Connaughton, which is probably a good thing. I would say that's a good thing, but I think all the bench guys um, to varying extents, I think it was just Pat, uh, Bobby, PJ, and Brynn all played for us. They all played pretty well given the roles that they were expected to. Um, so I think that's also a good sign coming out of this, not just Brynn but the other guys having plus minutes when they were out
0: there. Yeah, Bobby was another one, just like I said about Brynn. I mean, you could, you saw the Spurs pick and roll the heck out of Bortis, <laughs> and I, I was absolutely terrified of them doing a similar – the Heat doing a similar thing. Certainly didn't feel like they were decimating him to the level I thought, and he added his eight points were big. Yeah, he, he had eight huge points at a time when the Bucks really needed some scoring. He, I think most of those were in the first half. Um, he only played seventeen minutes, but eight points, seventeen minutes. He gets four rebounds. He was kind of getting bodied on the glass in the second second quarter, uh, but did a decent job. And I, I want to talk about the offensive, the rebounding battle. So when you look at the overall numbers now. If you look at them, the Bucks actually did a decent job. It came back down. So I looked at it at halftime. The offensive rebound rate for the Heat was 33.3%, which is crazy <laughs> because their season average is 22.3% and this yeah. is this is basically against the Bucks who are like the best, you know, defensive, one of the best defensive rebounding teams in the in the league. Ends yeah. at 19.7% for the Heat. They only have two offensive rebounds in the second half. The, the issue with the offensive rebounding thing is and I do the same thing. Every time it happens, it's so gut-wrenching. Mm-hmm. It is impossible to forget it. It seems like a huge swing of momentum, which it mm-hmm. occasionally can be. Yeah. And then generally, if you look at the end of the game, the Bucks are kind of right about it. They're like regular, good, yeah. good defensive rebounding level. But in the first half, it was really critical. And it felt that it, and I think the issue also stems from last year when it felt like the heat would get Tons of offensive rebounds and would absolutely gut the Bucks with that stuff. So yeah. they cleaned it up, but the first half was really brutal.
1: I think more so everybody being annoyed one it's one of the most annoying sequences in basketball as a fan you're like because it's not even like a, oh you got like that's a bad ref call oh you were like close it's literally just like most of the time it's like oh you clearly didn't really give a damn to like go after that ball all that or like whatever or like the other guy clearly cared more and that was sort of annoying there was one possession in particular where Giannis still got the defensive rebound no problem but like totally uncontested four bucks around him no heat players at all and he still was like he like retracted his arms at the last second. I was like, "Why? What are you doing? Did DJ Wilson like into your <laughs> body when you try to go for that rebound?" Um, so I think that's why everybody was annoyed. It's like it's the most obvious. Like oh, especially like I'm sure anybody who plays basketball, you just yell that all the time if you get an offensive rebound. So we're all manifesting that. Um, but I think in the second half, uh, it seemed like guys, especially like Dante. Um, Giannis did a better job. Brooke did a decent job. Everybody was more aggressively, like just corralling. It wasn't, I think there's so much of the way that the Bucks play and a lot of the pace where it's like, oh, try and get going right away. Um, and maybe the change in tone and the pace and things like that, it's where it's like, okay, we're just going to have to pretty much secure it, hold on for a second, make sure nobody's all over you, and then we're just going to have to set up the offense. Maybe some of that has to do with it. But, yeah, the uh, the want-to factor, a little bit annoying in the
0: first half, but it, it did get cleaned up quite a bit in the second half. All right. I I suck because I did the thing that I probably shouldn't have done, which was bury a lot of Chris Middleton's lead. I feel like we – Sorry, Chris. We, Chris, We talked about, basic, about basically everyone else, but uh, th- let's talk about Chris Middleton, 10 of 22, 3 of 9 from 3, so not his best shooting night from 3. 6 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 turnovers, 27 points. Hits the game winner. He did feel like... 10 of 22 is, you know, not super efficient for him. Um, but he did feel like the most steadying presence offensively in this game Uh, which I was a little surprised by. I kind of thought Drew would be that, but it was certainly Chris, and I felt like he had the most command of the offense in general too, not just as an individual scorer, but as trying to facilitate to other guys. What was your view on Chris this game?
1: No, I agree with that. Um, The first half was a little bit tough because um, as with Chris, it's going to be give or take based on his dribbling. There was a lot of times where it's like, okay, we're going to start the offensive possession. Chris is going to like kind of dribble between his legs like a lot. <laughs> he's going to do this for like 10 seconds and then he's going to pass to Drew. I'm like, well, it's probably not great offense. So the first half I think um, it's not that he was bad, but there was a couple of times where like, oh, those are like habits that Chris has that we would rather he not do in this sort of situation. Um, I think credit to him. This this game is not something that's like, oh, this is totally outside of the realm of possibility. When things turn into a rock fight, what did we pay Chris a bajillion dollars for? So he could be there for a rock fight. He's our rock fighter. And you know what? Today in the second half, he was a pretty good rock fighter. Like he was like tough baskets, game winner, threes, whatever you need. Um, you know, he decent defense on Duncan Robinson in the second half. Um, I, I think there was a lot of it for him of like getting used to and I think this seems to be Chris a lot is like getting used to or getting into a rhythm, getting comfortable with things. The first half, where like he's just having difficulty getting his dribble down, um, trying to like probably still go to Giannis, try to get Drew, because Drew had a pretty quiet first half as well. So it's like, oh, let's try and get people involved or whatever. And in the second half, he's like, you know what? I don't. Duncan Robinson is going to be the guy that guards me. Like if that's going to be the case, then I'm just going to go for it. And credit to him, he did, and he got it all the way to the very last possession. Besides that, like, that real fake three point shooting flower that they got, he got called for at the end. I thought he did excellent, you know, passable to excellent on the defensive end. And then, like you said, on the offensive end, besides Drew's third quarter really breaking out, um, he was the only really reliable guy who could initiate any offense or get another guy a shot. And he didn't shy away from it, which is what we need from Chris. If Giannis is going to struggle, then it comes down to Chris and Drew. And if Drew isn't going to take the step forward for whatever reason, then Chris has got to be the guy. Excuse me. And he was today. So good job, Chris.
0: Yeah. There's an alternative. There's an alternative world where. DiVincenzo attempts 10 field goals in this game, and Chris has like 17. It's yeah. like five less. Yeah. And we didn't need that reality. Nice. So it was really good to see Chris continue to try to shoot. I really liked him being aggressive from three-point land. Nine mm-hmm. three-point attempts is really nice. And obviously some of that stems from the fact that the offense certainly looked gummed up today. But credit to him. You mentioned Drew Holiday's third quarter. I, I kind of thought he stunk in the first half, to be candid. I, I thought he wasn't effective at all. I think he was okay defensively, but I didn't see any of the sort of Drew Holiday I was kind of expecting from him. And then the third quarter happens, and it's basically him and Dragic doing a little bit of a duel there. Dragic Mm -hmm. scores eight points, Holiday gets 11 of his 20 overall. We have kind of finally saw him break out of a little bit of a funk and get aggressive going to the rim. Obviously, OFI from three-point land, so that makes his, his stat line look a little worse than it was, but... How would you view Drew overall in this one, in his first Bucks playoff debut?
1: Um, I remember tweeting it or uh, messaging in the group chat, like, "Oh, Drew's going to wake up any second now." And it was like <laughs> we were like eight minutes in the third quarter. I was like, "Drew's going to wake up any second here." And it was it's a real downer because we get so hyped all season long. Like, oh, remember the Trailblazers series? Do you remember the <laughs> Trailblazers series? And like, I'm like expecting all all season long, like I'm expecting him to show up and he's going to score fifty points. Going to have 10 rebounds. Like it's going to be the greatest thing we've seen since sliced bread. He was not that in the first half. Now, part of that might be, again, he gets pulled pretty quickly um, and he has a specific assignment where it's like, hey, you focus on this. Giannis was doing a lot. So he didn't have like a lot of possessions to try and make things happen anyhow. Um, but I think, <clears throat> excuse me, between Drew and Chris, so Drew credits you third quarter, a couple of possessions in a row, um, whether they be tough baskets. Uh, like we said, that those closing defensive possessions where he blows things up, the very final possession where he's able to get the block on. I think it was too late for Jimmy to get the shot off anyhow, but he still is able to defend and block it anyhow. Um, so he did all the plus things on defense that you hope for. And the thing with Chris and Drew, in particular in the second half, was this game was close throughout. I, I don't know what the biggest lead was, but it could not have been more than like five or six or seven points. And so what you needed if you were the Bucs were, one or two of these guys to step up for, you know, everybody talks about basketball as a game of runs. Well, basketball is a game of runs as a team sport, but in a playoff series like this, or in playoff games like these, it's like, it has to be a game of a run of one of these guys stepping up for like a three minute sequence. And both of those guys did in their own way, Chris, who's probably a little bit more used to like just getting a ton of shots up and like tough shot, express rock fight. Um, he was better equipped for this and it played out in his favor, but drew even saying, okay, I can probably step up here. I don't know if Giannis was off the floor during those minutes where he had that 11-point run, but um, yeah, I, I think good for him to show that he's able to impose his will. I still think it's a little strange having a guard like him where it's like, okay, Drew doesn't really like... I never really understood the like, oh, Drew doesn't want to be a point guard. Like He doesn't really want the ball. I'm like, okay... How does that work? I guess I've always been a little confused by that. Um, but, you know, if on occasion in the third quarter he goes for like 11 points and you know, is able to do a couple of defensive things later on to pad those points. OK, cool. I, I think he was definitely a plus guy versus um, any of the other options we could have had going into this game, uh, whether it be prior transactions like in Eric Blitzel, or anybody else off the bench.
0: Interesting game for for holiday. I'll be curious to see how your response. I, I like you. I was kind of getting used and ready for the the holiday, stepping it up in the playoffs. <laughs> the, the legend of True Holiday know, three years ago in like yeah. his his one sample size of playoff performance. And to be fair, it
1: was a really good sample size, but it was just one sample size.
0: It was one sample size. I think it was also just hard for me to get used to the fact that he's basically been the second best player on the team this whole year and it was clearly not the case today. Obviously, like you said, all of the defensive stuff aside, he did great stuff down there. Although I did think the, I w- really thought the block on Jimmy was going to be called a foul at the very last it was second. risky
1: to be honest. It was a little risky, but
0: I'm
1: like, Oh wow. Great defensive play from you. True.
0: <laughs> the block, the block makes it, makes it that much more yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, any other individual player performances you want to point to besides before we zoom out a little and I ask you a little bit about you know how awful the Bucks actually kind of looked at this game? Yeah, no,
1: I, I would like to spotlight Giannis uh, playing really bad for almost the entire game. <laughs> Giannis, that was he was really bad almost the entire game. It was tough to watch. Uh, it's it's really unfortunate. Um, I think. <laughs> I'm trying to think wait, of like, wait,
0: okay, what about how about the fact that Hubie Hubie Brown had to continue to 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 put his faint praise on him by being like, he's been a bear, he's <laughs> been a bear this whole game. I,
1: I think Hubie's just a good company guy, and he's <laughs> trying to hype up the NBA superstar. Fair play to you, Hubie. Um, I'm trying to think of like a good thing Giannis did. Obviously, the 18 rebounds is good. Um, I struggle to think of anything else past that. He did still get 26 points and there were a couple of times where he did like go up strong, get the dunk, recognize the mismatch. Trevor Ariza didn't have like a whole bunch for him, uh, as long until Giannis ran into a wall or whatever it was, um, that individual matchup Giannis took care of. No problem. Bad shot selection, uh, really unable to, and again, part of it is like credit to the heat, but. He forced a lot of shots instead of getting to what we got used to all season long. Is like, okay, Giannis is going to get a lot of defensive guff, but he's nice and calm now. He recognizes that. I'm just going to pass out to a teammate, and we're going to swing it, and then we're going to get an open shot somewhere else. That's what we do now. This game seemed to be doing a little bit of too much of everything. He was really bad from the free throw line as usual. Um, the shoot, the shooting arm, shooting sleeve thing—I think that looked awful. He gets called for the 10 second violation. <laughs> what I would say is, statistically, twenty-six points, eighteen rebounds, five assists. He was not a donut. He was not a zero player. However, not his finest performance offensively. Um, and I'm hoping he plays better in like game two. But this almost feels a lot like last year's series as well. It's like every single game is like, okay, Giannis had a bad game this one. Let's hope he comes back, and the next one he'll be he'll be slightly better. And it just never really, like, happened. And so I'm a little bit concerned about that. So Giannis, uh, he would be the other guy having a spotlight. Not in a good way,
0: though. This was – well, th- this goes to your point about Butler maybe being the best player in the series, is that Giannis historically has struggled against the Heat. I think we all assumed he would figure it out. Today was certainly not that day. 10 of 13 in the restricted area for him. 0 oh, for 14 from everywhere else uh, on the court. How
1: many? How many threes did he take? Let's see how many. He took three. He those, only took those three threes. Those were three wasted possessions. In and in a two point game, there were three wasted possessions. Uh, I, I appreciate the need. This is sort of like Bryn Forbes is like, okay, if Giannis is sort of on, then we can kind of ride it. Otherwise, probably stick away. I guess at least he only took three. I, I at least he I only took that. three.
0: And at the very least, Jimmy Butler went like zero for seven on his last nine three-point attempts. Because when he was two of two to start the game from Mm -hmm. deep, I, whoo, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. I was was out of my mind Mm because I don't understand how he could continue to make that, but two of nine, he's fine. All works out in the end. (laughs) You are so spot on about Giannis not looking at all like sort of the Giannis we grew to appreciate this year. I'm really interested to see – what, if anything, Bud is able to do to adjust that? He looked by far his most effective today when he was either off-ball, basically when he was off-ball screening. Because when he had the ball, even though Ariza, Ariza is a stiff defensively, like that mm-hmm. that is pretty much clear. He's no Jay Crowder <laughs> at all. So if Giannis gets him in an ISO, he can basically cook him. But the issue is, as soon as he gets around him, Butler's there, Adebayo's there, mm-hmm. and Giannis was completely disturbed today. Either got stripped a bunch... And yeah, he got to the free throw line 13 times, but on, on 27 attempts, that's not like, you know, it's not fantastic for him or anything. And he, he certainly didn't look comfortable kicking out to shooters. And I, I think think part of that is the heat defense being on a string and able to to stick to the guys on the perimeter because very few, we'll, we'll talk about the three, we should talk about the three point percentage, but very few of those looks <laughs> were, were great. There were mm-hmm. certainly some open looks that they missed. I'd be really curious to look at the tracking data to see how many looks that were wide open versus contested and and those types of things. But Giannis certainly did not look like these sort of namaste. I can read the whole floor Neo in the matrix type calm that we've seen from him this year at all in this one.
1: I think uh, he forgot that he doesn't have to spam the spin move button over and over <laughs> again. I think that's the other annoying thing is like okay, if you one thing if he was trying different moves, but like literally 30 seconds into the game he gets the chair pulled out from under him trying to oh. spin on Butler. I was like, "Oh no. We're losing this. We're getting swept in this series." That was my that was my hot take 30 seconds into the game. I was like, "We're losing this series." Um yeah, I, I, to to credit to Giannis, it's not really credit to Giannis. It's credit to the Heat. A, a lot of guys when they got into the paint, it was like Drew. There were a couple of times where like he gets into the paint and he's like, "Okay, I'm going to try and kick it out," and there's just no lane whatsoever. He like he tries to get it out, and there's three Heat defenders between him and like literally anybody who could be a viable target. And so they're very good at like kind of getting their hands in on the ball, getting a position, making sure there's no easy passing lane. Um, the issue is Giannis makes it so much tougher on himself trying to like do finesse moves around guys and he needs to realize, and I'm sure he's going to hear it from the coaching staff and everything. Don't try and finesse things around, have them come to you because you just have natural gravity and then do what you've done all season, kick it out from there. It's not going to be ideal. You're not going to like have a wide open guy at all times, just the way that he plays the defense, but don't feel like you need to get even more stuck in the quicksand to give yourself a better shot. Um, We can try and work things out by getting the ball back out and working it out from there because you've already pulled a defender. You've done your job in this possession. So I don't know. We'll see how he adjusts.
0: Yeah. And and talking about the offensive offense more generally, it it looked really ISO heavy. I, I mean, it looked like a slog almost the entire game, even if, even when they were penetrating, I mean, whether it was Chris, whether it was drew occasionally they were missing gimmies. They had to rely on quite a few floaters. And even when they were driving, if they would kick it out, it didn't seem to have the usual verve or Miami was able to cut off whatever the second action would be. I'm curious to see what they're going to do for adjustments. I think the Giannis, both Giannis, frankly, both the Giannis and Brooke pick and rolls at the very top of the key. I still, you know, there's still a work in progress. Like Mm -hmm. they forced them a few too many times to try and get it to them as they're rolling. I'd really like to see – more, you know, more often potentially Drew just like either rejecting the screen or Mm -hmm. like following it, you know, trying to just have them rescreen rather than trying to force a pass through like three defenders legs. Yeah. But I'm really curious to see if the offense continues to look this messy for this entire series, or if they're able to find a little bit of a, of a solution and maybe part of the solution is just, Hit a few threes, right? They're, going five of thirty-one certainly doesn't help things. When it's they, it's when like, like a, it's,
1: it's like a nineteen-nineties throwback. Like, all right, we're going to make five of twenty-three. Is like, okay, so, sounds good, coach. We're on it,
0: right? And maybe that was part of Bud's. I'm not going to like you know give Bud too much credit, but maybe in the beginning, he's like, okay, if Bryn comes in and hits like three threes, Duncan Robinson style, mm-hmm. maybe that will literally just open things up a little bit more. And then if you get that crack, then you can keep pushing through it. But I'm curious where the offense will go from here in the series.
1: Yeah, it uh, hero ball heavy. Um, part of the issue with doing any sort of like Drew or anybody Brook slash Giannis pick and roll, uh, literally outside of Jeff Teague, maybe nobody on the roster is capable of doing an entry pass. Much less a reliable, like pass on the move to us to a rolling guy. Uh, I never really understood why we did that because that's just not recognizing your personnel, but whatever. Maybe it'll work once or twice. Yeah, but um, like Dante makes it look cool when he does it one handed. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, right to a heat defender. I was like, Dante, so bad. <laughs> it looked like, like a dodgeball, like he just smacked like a dodgeball. To- <laughs> I was like, what is this guy doing? Uh, we don't need to spotlight Dante. Dante, not a good game from you either. You're not supposed
0: to be here, so I'm not going to give you any sort of guff. Um, yeah, no, I. I, I thought Dante was okay. Am I just carrying water? Here's the thing: you might be I didn't carrying like, water. I'm certainly Dante. Water, but there weren't as many egregious. Like I was expecting overhelp city every single mm-hmm. second he was in there, and he did play 37 minutes, and he was the only negative of all of the starters. That is for <laughs> certain. But I, I think it. All I'm saying is it could have been worse. And that, it, that is that is all the water I will
1: carry. It, it could have been worse. There was a, I remember a possession at the very end of the game. I think he was trying to guard uh, Tyler Harrow, and he, like, he was going all over. He was going all out. So like he was chasing Harrow around. Harrow like came up to like. Flash towards Butler because Dante's moving so quick. Like he ends up stepping in front of Giannis and like guarding Butler for a second. And then Har- Harold goes like off to the wing. And then Dante has to like run over there. I was like, wow, <laughs> Dante's really he puts in a lot of effort. Uh, so shout out to that. Um, he, he just should not dribble. That was his issue is like Boonhoser or whoever put him in a position to try and dribble and like start offense. So I'm like, that is clearly not his role this series. And I'm, I, I think if you're talking about where can the offense go from here, he was pretty uninvolved on the offense event. And for good reason, like he's not <laughs> at the end of the game, he tries to do that layup or whatever. And he like, totally it doesn't even go towards oh. the rim. Um, so there are reasons why, but I think it would be interesting to be like, can we involve him a little bit more off ball, whether that be cutting more deliberately. Um, but if you're thinking of like personnel, what are going to be the big differences? Yeah. Maybe it is just simply Bryn Forbes comes in one or two of these games and makes a couple of threes, Um, That is the difference. Uh, I don't know. Just given the way that we played, if Giannis is just going to like hero ball it, uh, there's not going to be a lot of change. It kind of starts with him and goes from there. And if he's going to be like, I'm just going (laughs) to force the issue and it doesn't work, uh, that reduces the uh, realm of possibility of the different options that other guys can go for. So it kind of starts with Giannis. Um, If he gets guys more involved or is able to play smarter, then that should free things up. We'll see. But today, yeah, it was a very isolation, very hero ball, like... We're just gonna grind this one out. And they did. So that's good,
0: I guess. Yeah, they're up one oh. Let's talk about the refs for a little. I didn't want to leave with this because I think both of us said we're not like huge scapegoat ref guys or anything like that. No. But that being said, um, dear David Guthrie, Sean Wright, and Tyler Ford. Not your best day. Not no. your best day behind mm-hmm. the whistle. Uh what was the what was sort of the most frustrating reffing moment to you out of this game
1: i thought it was totally inappropriate to call Giannis one of your superstars in this league for a <laughs> 10 second i don't care about that uh the most egregious was at the very end of the game where chris clearly yeah where after Giannis, after they <laughs> let Giannis get away with literally riding jimmy butler's back for the steal chris clearly gets the loose ball no problem has it secured duncan robinson's like falling on his face and yet they still give him a jump ball. And Boonholzer is like on he Boonholzer dives onto the pile. He's like timeout. He's like on top of Chris calling timeout. We still don't get the timeout. I thought that was the most egregious. Yes, it was not great the like shooting fouls, the amount of contact that we got that gave up a foul versus what the heat got. Um, some of the, like Dragic, Dragic. I'm not. I'm gonna stop saying his name. Goron, Goron falling all yeah. over himself at half court, and like Dante getting called for a foul. Stuff like that is really annoying. But it's at the very end where it's like, okay, these are the critical possessions, and like Chris clearly gets the ball, secures it, turns over, has it. We're calling the timeout. We don't get that. I mean, and then that forces a tip. Or a jump ball. Giannis has to get it. He's like gets stuck in the corner with he he's able to run out of it. No problem. He gets fouled. He goes it's like ugh. the fact that Giannis then has to go back to the free throw line, stuff like that, sequences like that that force you on the back foot. That's probably what I was most annoyed by for this roughing crew.
0: Yeah, there there were some frustrating moments. I'm curious if Heat fans will say, Well, look at the free throw disparity. You had three thirty-three free throw attempts, which like I guess you could say that, but we shot way more inside the arc than you. So, yeah. so <laughs> yeah, hopefully that helps 20 explain. More,
1: it. Uh, Twenty more attempts inside the arc than you guys. There you do. go.
0: Hopefully that there we go. There's your answer. Yeah, I thought the, the, that one off ball, I mean the audacity of this crew to call that phantom call on Chris Middleton and deprive Dante of upping his percentage at the rim on that <laughs> wow. clear layup. That okay, was yeah. just yeah. I mean, absolutely egregious. They want to keep Dante.
1: The league wants to keep Dante down. That's that's the real secret. We're starting to uncover this series. (laughs) (laughs) It's
0: it's pretty clear. Yeah, that was frustrating. That I yeah I didn't get the jump ball one at the end. The dueling, you know, foul on Holiday draws the shooting foul, and then uh, after right after Chris Middleton apparently fouled Robinson, and Mm. I I get Bud potentially not challenging because he wants to save a timeout or whatever. But it was still frustrating. And, And then the I don't know. I mean, I I never know how to call the honest whistle. I think that's an impossible job. So I'm never like too angry about that. But it was, you know, I I didn't think it was their, you know, maybe their best job. So I think there's certainly stuff that that they can clean up.
1: I don't think we had direct evidence that, as some people would believe, the league is rigged. I don't think the league is rigged, but I do think that uh, it, Giannis is a very tough guy to call. And if they're going to call Giannis aggressively to start the game, that's like a cascading effect. As soon as it, this is like anything else, Giannis is a guy who leads. If he's going to have to like put his foot off the gas or he's getting like ticky tacked all game long, that's not a good sign for the rest of the Bucks because then it's just cascades from there. So unfortunately for us, I don't know if we're going to have this crew for like the rest of the games or what, but uh yeah, if he gets called for some tiki tech to start, it, it's just not a good starting place. And then from there, it was just a lot of like obvious, like, oh, really? And we didn't get like, a lot of makeup calls either to help out with that. So I don't know. It was mixed.
0: The 10-second the, the call was was still kind of crazy. Like, I can't believe it they actually finally called like, in here. <laughs> in that moment. I mean, yeah. I get it. And I mean, as a Packers fan, you know, it's like the Kevin King call in the NFC championship game. Mm-hmm. I think we'll all be uh-huh. tweeting that after yeah. this game. Let's hope yeah, we yeah, see yeah. that. Yeah. Ugh, that yeah. Was- 10
1: seconds. I, it was strange. It was a matter of time. I was just figuring they were going to wait until like the finals, like game seven with the fight of like up oh, 10 second violation. So I guess it's good that they got out of the way in game one. It was, I think everybody realizes that Giannis takes forever. I, Honestly, when I rewatch games, if Giannis goes to the line, I just do skip 30 seconds, skip 30 seconds, skip that. I keep it takes him like 2 minutes at a go every free throw <laughs> trip, and it's fine and I'm not going to play free throw doctor because anybody who does it's a waste of time. We have no idea what's going on with Giannis. Uh I would probably prefer that he speeds it up a little bit just because if he's going to shoot awful anyhow, it's not like waiting longer is helping him, so just let's keep the game moving. I don't care. clearly he's going to make like 40% of them anyhow, so who cares?
0: All right, so I think it's you started it off by saying both teams can spin this either way they want. I think the Heat fans can obviously say Butler went 4 of 22, Bam went 4 of 15. You know, we only had 24 points in the paint. We couldn't stop them in the paint, even though we're usually a good rim defender. We'll be able to get them next time. And it wasn't an away game. It was an away game. Bucks fans can say, all right, well, Giannis was not that great. Drew Holiday played kind of off. And we went five of 31 from three-point land, even though we were the fourth-best shooting team from three in the, during the season. Mm-hmm. So revisiting, recircling all the way back to, how are you feeling about the series going forward after this game? What's, uh, you know, after all of this discussion, what are you feeling?
1: So, I, I don't know. I guess I'm still a little positive. The way that I look at it is, okay, Yes, uh, Jimmy Butler and Bam had like bad scoring nights, but it wouldn't. I wouldn't say they had like a lot of bad looks or anything. Or like the Bucks were doing this excellent job defending them. The way I look at it is, okay, did Chris and Drew, who are your key guys, did they do something totally like, oh, they can't really replicate this? I think they both had performances that would be easily replicable across the series. My concern would be the five of 31. When you think of the nine guys who are in the rotation, let's assume those are probably just the guys we're going to roll with for the most part the rest of the series. Um, Unless Bryn Forbes makes some threes, there's – Chris is very focused on, like, he's on ball. He, he'll he do some, like, tough shots inside. Um, he he does, like, a lot of different things. Just hunting three-pointers is not his game. Uh, if if he's not going to be out there, if Bryn doesn't make threes, I'm not sure who else on the team we can look at and say, you can reliably be, like, our three-point guy. Um, Drew's okay. He's better than Giannis. Giannis just don't take threes. Brooke is, like, in theory, a three-point a decent three-point shooter but he he pump fakes and it just doesn't take threes at all um and then off the bench like pat it's always tough in the playoffs for guys like that off the bench to like who when am i gonna find my spots when am i am i really gonna be the one that takes his three pointer and so i'm a bit concerned about that where it's like chris and drew could probably keep this up throughout the entire series Giannis, you pray to god can play even like halfway better like just a little bit better and i think um, it, the other concern would be like, okay, my, Miami gets 50 shots up. They only hit 20 of them. Um, they're probably going to get that number of threes up throughout the entire series, and I'm not sure who on the roster is going to help us match that um, and then make those threes. So that would be my one concern. So I, I'm mixed. I think after today, I tweeted this in just in like the fourth quarter. I was like, the Bucks could either win this game or lose this game when it was like tied. I think the Bucks could <laughs> e- They could easily win this series. They could easily lose this series. Um, I tend towards optimism and hoping that Giannis puts it together because what else are we fans for? But um, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it just went against us. Um, there's enough signs for positivity, stuff signs for negativity. It's kind of a wash to me. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm in the same boat. I had Bucks in seven, so I kind of anticipated the Heat would eventually take a few different games from them. I think if I were a Heat fan, I would feel a little like – Okay, Duncan Robinson hit 7 of 13 from three-point land. Mm-hmm. This was probably a game we should steal. And Dragic goes Yeah, Goran playing,
1: games. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, but maybe Goron will just be that good for the whole series. So that's possible. They could think that. I think the Duncan Robinson one feels like a little bit of a potential outlier, but then they're going to say their stars have outliers. Mm-hmm. I think if, I, if I'm looking at all of these games, like you said, the most, the one that I think will be hardest to replicate might be the Duncan Robinson seven of 13, part of which is because the bucks just sucked ass to start the game guarding him. (laughs) And like, I don't anticipate that necessarily happening again, but all of the bucks players, I would say scoring wise, maybe Bobby Portis won't go four of six, but um, I I think they could pretty easily replicate what they did today and feel pretty comfortable um, and, and probably hopefully improve a little bit better. Like you said, Giannis improve a little bit. The three point thing is really interesting. If, it turns out that their regular season shooting was a little bit fool's gold. That's,
1: and not even necessarily fool's gold, but given the fact that during the regular season you could have a wider variance for like having guys who are better at taking threes, or it's like okay, if it's Pat Connaughton on a cold February Tuesday where nobody, literally two people are watching <laughs> the game, okay, yeah, get your three point shots up. But now when the rotation is tightened up um, in a game where it's so close, it's like okay am I confident enough in me and in myself or whatever? And am I going to get even an open shot to like take a possession here where we're only up two? you know, I I think all that kind of plays in. And that's the thing I would be concerned about is um, just the mentality, maybe of the guys that you're going to run out there. PJ Tucker is not going, unless he's literally planted in the corner, he's not going to get shots up. Bobby will get shots up, but he's not like a lot of threes. There was that possession where drew missed him um, for like a wide open three and turned it over. But uh, I, I, that would just be my one concern is like, okay, maybe the percentage will improve, but how, how many threes are we going to even get up given the personnel we use? Um, and, and I think the one question I would ask you is after today, Boonholzer versus Spolstra, how do you feel about that?
0: I still certainly don't feel great about it, but <laughs> like easiest adjustment. We all wanted it. Giannis, Chris play near the most minutes in the game, Drew Holiday plays, you know, like the fourth most minutes. Okay. 45 for Giannis, 45 for Middleton, 42 for Drew Holiday. Yep. That's a change from years past when he stupidly didn't play players.
1: It'd be, if it be an overtime game, we'd look at the box. we be like, okay, Giannis played 30 minutes. Chris played 28. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Corver played 24.
0: <laughs> uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's silly. I, I like that he's stuck with his guys and he, he, he had his closing lineup. I'd like to see maybe a little bit more of, of Tucker with Giannis, some of that switchability and see mm-hmm. how that can work against the BAM lineups. I think that could potentially open up a little bit more offense. But, I mean, overall, the Bucks played very well defensively against a team that's been on fire offensively for like the last 15 games or so. I mean, one of the best in the league. And I thought – They brought a lot of defensive intensity, which seems super cliche, but was absolutely needed in the playoffs. And after last year, when it felt like they were just going through the motions, I thought there was a pretty stark difference defensively between last year and this year. And Bud was willing to, you know, some of the things they practiced this year obviously paid off. Some of the switching still wasn't great, but they were able to execute it at a decent level. And I I think some of the wrinkles in their offense obviously paid off by getting guys in spots that they wouldn't have been last year. And I think, I think just shooting 31 threes is very heartening on a day when very clear that they didn't have it going. Like they didn't keep trying to force it Mm -hmm. from deep because no one was going to make it today. That was, that was just obvious. So you go back, you punish them in the paint plus 32 there. I, I thought that was good. I'm not sure how much of that is on bud versus the players, but that was nice to see. Not like just, turning back to let it fly and, and hoping that that would save them.
1: I think the, the biggest credit to Budenholzer was I was so or maybe the biggest attract detractment to him. I was so thankful that Yana or uh, Chris running clock. He was like, I'm not going to wait for you to call timeout to run me into four defenders. I'm just going to take the ball court and go for it. Just watch this coach. Um, good for you, Chris. I, I think my main concern would be, okay. Uh, if Jimmy and Bam do play a little bit better, I would generally assume that Spolstra is able to find whether it be Duncan Robinson, somebody off the bench, whatever, a fold to try and get somebody else going enough that like they're able to push past the bucks. That would be my main concern. Is like I'm not sure I'm confident game to game. Uh Boonholes are being able to like figure out a specific strategic fold that gets a certain guy like a lot of open looks or try to get him involved, um, as like the third uh leg to the tripod that is Butler and Bam. Um, so that would just be my main concern. I, I, I think the changes, slight changes in the defensive intensity, the change to keep Duncan Robinson from getting a lot of open looks and even the open threes that the heat did get a lot of them. Again, it was like, okay, stupid bouncing around like the ball, yeah. offensive rebounds. Somebody doesn't get back properly on defense, things like that, which are, are outside of Boone control for the most part. So I think I still am uh, worried about it. But there was nothing in this game necessarily was like point to this. Boonholzer. I think that final possession. I don't was broke or uh, was PJ on the floor for the final closing possession or no? I don't uh, sure. uh, sorry, the closing possession of regular uh, of uh, whatever the regular game whatever
0: 48 oh. minutes. I can't remember, honestly. I don't think, no, 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 he wasn't because Brooke was in there and was late rotating over. His yes.
1: So I, I think stuff like that, I was a little, I felt like we were, or assumed we were going to go a lot more with the PJ small ball lineup. Um, I still think there's room for that. I understand, but like, Bam, he's a bit of a bigger body. I'm not sure how you want to stack that defensively, but that would be my one thing is like, okay, there's a stretch in the fourth quarter. It's like, what do we bring PJ here for? He's just chilling on the bench for like a long stretch here. I think he had a few minutes, but I think stuff like that's like, are you going to go to this? We got this guy who unlocks this very particular lineup. Are you going to go that? Yes or no. Today he did not. Uh, And Giannis got ISOed and it went to overtime. So that did not pay off for us.
0: Yeah. I'd like him to be a little more proactive with that stuff. That being said, I didn't think PJ Tucker was that great guarding Butler today. No.
1: Yeah. He was, I think Butler was probably a little too quick. I I think maybe in that sort of situation, I might've still tried, felt more comfortable with PJ over Giannis. Giannis is not, like, the best in space, like, against a guy who's a little bit quicker than him. Yeah, <laughs> he, that was, it, it's just so, for those listening, uh, Adam did a little, like, on I, like, ice rink, sort of, like, back and forth <laughs> move. Giannis is not the best in, like, isolation, totally cleared out. Uh, I probably would have seen if PJ, if the if the end result was going to be literally an uncontested layup, I would have just rather have seen that play out with PJ. Um, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, I think you're probably right that he wasn't, like, a standout guy
0: against uh, Jimmy Butler fascinating game last thing i want to ask you you got a delivery today from a drone that delivered you domino's pizza what did you get
1: no 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 okay that was a a miscommunication i saw (laughs) i saw an ad on the game about it
0: the drone flying to your no, house and like dropping
1: no. it in that's so funny no i was watching the game and i saw an ad for Domino's where the, it wasn't a drone it was like a car a, an autonomous vehicle that drove from the dominoes to somebody and you went out i was like how dystopian is that not only ordering dominoes first but then having to walk out of your house to go to this, to this drone to get the that's what I that was about okay like,
0: I, I missed the commercial I genuinely right. thought you were like you like walked out of your house Ugh. lifted your hands up to the air and had the drone <laughs> drop the hot It would
1: be the first time that happens that would be kind of cool but I would get tired of them like come on man really the drone is here I'll have to go out for the drone oh god well so that's I think that's a really fitting note for us to end the podcast on is to have a total miscommunication about the reality that,
0: of what happened <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well the reality is that the Bucks are leading 1-0 in this first round series against the Miami Heat. Next game is on Monday again at Pfizer Forum. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back to you with you again next week, I guess. I mean technically the series could be over if the Bucks sweep. So I don't know. We'll talk to you again next week. And uh, thank you to everyone for listening. Go to brewhoop.com for all of our usual coverage. Bye.